Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Several years ago, and there's really, of course, I was born in Lebanon when they uh, left Lebanon through the civil war. And it seems like the Middle East and Lebanon has always had something going on in it. But despite everything that's happening, uh, we've seen God fill people with the Holy Ghost, change people's lives. And, you know, change their attitudes and their thoughts, amen, about, about, about God and about Christianity. And uh, something beautiful to see a, a, a people in the Middle East that they weep under the presence of God. And God filled them with the Spirit, filled them with the Holy Ghost, amen. And I, uh, it's, it's, and I, I want to give honor to Bishop Walls. I know he's not here this morning, but I, uh, I thank him. He, is, he was the person, really, that in 2000 and, uh, I believe, 11 that uh, took me back to Lebanon while I was here in Georgia and I was pastoring a church there and uh, it kind of had ignited some things inside of me. I didn't mind taking mission trips but to move there and move my family and uh, was was a major decision that we had to make knowing ISIS was was about an hour and a half away from us in Syria and uh, uh, we had car explosions and all kind of things happening in our city but uh, I, I thank Bishop Walls for, for investing, uh, buying me the ticket, actually, to go there. And, uh, and that had ignited this burden in my heart. And uh, I give him honor tonight, today, this morning. And I uh, appreciate everything he has done, not just for Lebanon, but for the world. Amen. This church is blessed that has, has a great legacy of impacting the world right here from Medora. Amen, Indiana. And so uh, we thank God uh, that we, we, we went back fully in 2013. And I'm so thankful. For years I traveled without my wife, but I'm so happy to have her with me. Uh, she went with me and my four kids back to Lebanon in 2013, almost, almost 11 years ago. And uh, all what we had was a burden to see people know Jesus. And uh, shared the gospel with my friends and my brothers and my family. And they received the gospel and they got baptized. They got the Holy Ghost. Amen. And by the grace of God, we were able, we started the church. And at that time, there was an influx of refugees that they were coming from Syria and Iraq into Lebanon. And God had given us great revival. And for the first several, um, I would say maybe three, four years, we've had a great amount of refugees that came into Lebanon. They were with us for two, three years, got baptized, got in church, and then they left. And uh, after four years, I told my wife, I feel like I'm evangelizing the world from Lebanon, <laughs> Beirut, Lebanon. But it's been, you know, God has a way. And that's something so beautiful that sometimes living for God, you, you might not know all the details. But I promise you that if you live for God, you will look back and say, God, you were there and you were there and you were here. And God will bring everything together. 
Amen. And so we, we thank the Lord. We, our families has, has moved to Australia, to uh, Canada. We had some in Europe. And we have, we have a, a preacher now in England from our church. And, uh, and some of them went back to Syria, went back to Iraq, and, uh, and some moved to Boston. And, and I thank the Lord that, uh, you know, they, some of them, most of them, I thank the Lord that they have what they got in Lebanon, they were able to take it beyond. I want to tell you this morning, if you don't have the Holy Ghost today, this service, amen, can change the rest of your life. God can fill you with the Holy Ghost and change everything. Amen. But uh, I, uh, four years, I think in 2016, where we broke into uh, Lebanon has about 35% of Catholic and uh, all kind of different Muslims are there, all kind of different groups. We have, we have Hezbollah, we have Hamas, we have uh, 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 ISIS, oh, you name it. Everybody's there and God put us right there in the middle as apostolics. And I thank God for my identity this morning. <laughs> Amen. I, I believe from all of my heart that we have something that's, that will change the world. Amen. And uh, uh, God had given us revival in Lebanon. The world grew there, especially among the Lebanese. And then we start having people from the region uh, get baptized. And, uh, and my wife she had a great burden for a school. So we started a school in 2016. We started with 10 kids and it grew to be like uh, in three years to have like 60 kids and uh, that school is, has become licensed and is the only apostolic school that I know of in the Middle East that's licensed by the government that's teaching this gospel and helping kids pray through to the Holy Ghost amen and I we take we thank God for it because there's a lot of schools in the Middle East that they are teaching hatred and teaching uh, different uh, religion and but there's a school that's teaching the love of God teaching amen the spirit of God and we thank the Lord uh, that uh, we were able to plant another church in the school so we have two churches in Beirut and we have some great men just this morning got a good report they had a great service and I thank God for that uh, um, and the work back in 2014 we took a trip to Egypt met uh, people there and throughout the years made several trips there in about uh, three years we went and we baptized a man who turned up to be a key for revival in there him and his wife and God had blessed them and uh, we worked with them told them they they sold the, the uh, God in Christ they got baptized in Jesus' name. We helped them start a church in their home. And from there, the work in Egypt this past year, they've baptized many people in Jesus' name. Right in the heart of Cairo. I thank God for what God is doing. And, uh, and, and I, I thank the Lord. I, and that's a long story. I'm not going to go into it just for the sake of time. But uh, two years ago, I was in a service somewhere. Not ex, uh, not ex, uh, it was an unexpected thing and that's how God does sometimes he does things unexpectedly but a man gave me a stack of Iraqi money I was in a service out in the in the uh, rice field church that's in out and um, and he said he was a contractor there and he felt in the Holy Ghost to do so so I took the money I thought well I'll change it in Lebanon and use it in Lebanon when I got to Lebanon nobody wanted the money so I put it in the drawer and said you know what I didn't make much of it until Two weeks later, a brother who was with us in Lebanon moved to Iraq, called me. and He said, Pastor, would you come and see me? So I went to pray about it and God spoke to me. He said, that's why I gave you the money. Because I didn't want to use money from Lebanon, use it into Iraq. Or, 
And uh, so, uh, make the story short, we end up going there, and God had given us favor. I visited this brother, and when I went there, I didn't know. I didn't know where I was going. And to us, you know, Lebanon is, because we're used to Lebanon, we consider it safe, we know where to go and come, but Iraq was a completely hot place. And uh, But we prayed, and I felt it was in the will of God, and I did not want to miss on the will of God. And so, put fear aside, booked a ticket, flew to Iraq. We had direct flights about an hour and a half from Beirut to Iraq and got there. I met with, this, with the brother there and uh, that night I, I went outside of the hotel where I was staying and I started walking the streets and I wanted to feel, I wanted to feel what God has for that place. And while I was walking, I didn't know that I was going to an area where there's a lot of Chaldeans there. And the Lord spoke to me when I was walking these streets. He said, this is where I called Abraham from. And this is what I want to call a church from. Amen. I went crying into my room, prayed. And I've taken several trips, became resident of Iraq. God gave us great favor. And now resident of Lebanon, Iraq, U.S. <laughs> but I'm thankful to be resident of heaven. This is really what I want my residency to be. Amen. But last year, God uh, helped us. We were able to send a brother from Lebanon. He was our first national missionary that we sent from Beirut to Iraq. And he went there, and he was a key man for the revival there. And uh, uh, when the war broke out in October, early October, we, my wife and I were in a meeting out west, and uh, we immediately booked tickets and flew back to Lebanon uh, because we knew when Hamas broke into Israel that that thing is going to flare up. And if you know, Lebanon is the first. We have Hezbollah in the south. They are first to start firing at Israel. And, and so we got there, and we sent our children back. And... Uh, we start prepping for war. And how, how do you prep for war? You know, I mean, I've, I've grew up in a war, but uh, I, I didn't. So we start buying food, store, storing things in the church for our church family and people buying, wa drinking water, like diesel for the heat in winter and so forth. And it was like a blanket that covered all of our city. And you, it impacted the church because now you can walk to the church and feel that heaviness. And uh, that Saturday, that Saturday after the kids left, we went and the church came together and we went to praying. On Saturday nights, we have prayer meeting. And in that meeting, I prayed and I said, God, you told Abraham that uh, if there is 10 righteous people, that you will spare that city. And I said, God, there is more than 10 righteous people in this church that love you, want to do what's right. And amen. Suddenly, we felt that blanket took off. And the spirit of praise came of our church. And can I tell you, we've been having, it's like things shifted. Amen. And uh, right before we left, we, we, had, we had three chairs empty in our church. And I thank God that uh, that spirit is continuing. But, uh, uh, and so uh, in, November, in November, this brother in Iraq messaged me. He said, Pastor, I know things are, 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 are uh, dangerous in Lebanon. Maybe if you can visit us in Iraq, it's a little bit peaceful. And I said, I don't know where to go, you know. <laughs> and it wasn't, but after we got there, they, they bombed. They bombed that airport, that area yesterday, this week. They bombed right where we were in Erbil, north of Iraq. But uh, I looked at tickets and, and, uh, in November, and, and Middle East Airlines, the one we used, canceled all their flights and moved their planes from Beirut to Cyprus and, and Turkey and so, because they were expecting Israel to bomb the airport. And so I looked and I said, well, uh, I, they have one flight on Sunday. And I said, there's no way I'll leave the church on Sunday. 
And so we prayed, and after we prayed, we went, we checked again the open flights on Tuesday. And so I, so I booked a ticket to go Tuesday, come back Thursday, and uh, make the story short. Well, we went there, and we had, he, he said that he witnessed to several families, and he wanted my wife to come help me baptize some of the families there, and thinking, well, you know what, it's a great opportunity to take some Bibles with us. And we have, we have Arabic Bibles that has apostolic doctrines in the front of them that we give them to people in the Middle East, kind of let them know who Jesus is and give them introduction. And so we packed two, two uh, carry-on suitcases and we took Bibles with us. And, and I did not know. I did not know that's illegal. And so, I mean, we weren't brave. I, if I knew, I might not have taken <laughs> It's not a brave thing, but we packed these Bibles. We got to the airport, and there, uh, they called us to check us out. And it's the first time in all my trips that they called me to be checked out. And so they checked. They took our backpacks. I mean, they searched everything, but not these two suitcases. <laughs> and they let us through. Isn't God awesome? Isn't God wonderful? Amen. But we we spent there two days baptized seven people in jesus name two of them received the gift of the holy ghost and i thank god you know i know the world is crazy and i know i know the middle east is, is like a volcano or it's, it's like a bomb might explode and maybe things are going in that direction but i want to tell you this morning i want to witness this morning and tell you that god is still working god is still moving the world is going to take its course but the church the church is going to take its course and god's still going to be reaching for souls and and saving people and filling people with the holy ghost and i'm thankful this morning to be part of the church hallelujah amen and uh, so we thank you from all of our hearts and and uh, i can stay here all day and tell you about lebanon and but god had grace gracefully also in early december opened the door for us to go to cyprus and we went there cyprus is an island 35 minutes from beirut in the plane and uh, in the middle of everything that's happening we are connected with some people holy ghost was moving god we found a location we're gonna rent start services in the middle of the week so we're gonna go between beirut and lebanon and cyprus to start to work there and i'm excited because i believe that before it's before the lord returns that the middle east is gonna have revival i believe that god still you know it all started there it's all gonna end there and you know we're fighting strongholds and we're fighting spirits of wars and and, and violence but in the middle of that god is moving and god is pushing and god is saving and I'm thankful for the goodness of God this morning. Amen. If you please stand with me, I will not keep you long. I, I again want to thank you from all of our hearts for all the prayers that you've sent our ways and for your monthly support and your help to the work of God. And I and I do apologize. It was not intentional that I did not come all these years, but the work was growing and I did not leave Lebanon because my heart was there. And so <laughs> but I, I, I thank you for for helping us last night and early this morning felt strongly in my spirit to go in this direction and uh, I want to ask you to go with me to the gospel of Luke chapter 16 and verse we're going to start with verse 19 how many love God today how many love the Lord amen Luke 16 verse 19 this is a, a familiar passage in the gospel Jesus was giving this example he said there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day and there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which has which was laid at his gate full of sores 
and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime received thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, so, they, that, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou would send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham says unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went out from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. And with the help of the Lord, just for a little bit, we want to preach this morning about thoughts in eternity. Thoughts in eternity. If you can please put your Bibles down. Help me if you lift your hands and help me pray. Lord, we thank you for your presence that we feel in this house this morning. We ask you that you administer to our hearts, to our minds, to our bodies. We completely depend on you and give you all the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name. Would you give the Lord with me a good hand clap today? Lord, you're worthy. Jesus. Amen. Jesus, you're worthy. Amen. Please be seated. Eternity is the existence outside of the relations of time. In other words, they say eternity is the, is the infinite amount of time that never ends. Amen. The Bible says eternity is the timeless state that follows death. Amen. It's the afterlife. They call it the immortality. Amen. A very long or seemingly, seemingly endless time. It's going through the state of things in which the flow of time has ceased. Where there is no more waking up in the morning, going to bed at night. And you get to a place where it was things, eternity, where time stops. And yet you're living in that eternity. Amen. Several years ago. I used to pastor a church in Georgia and where we lived between us there was a valley and right behind that valley there was a state prison that's called uh, Phillips State Prison and it was at that time was maximum security. I think they dropped it down now but uh, I would wake up early in the morning every day and, and I would go and pray. I would pray for our church. I would pray for my family. And pray for the work of God. While I would pray, I remember outside my windows in that family room. On the distance, on that hill, I can see that prison. And morning after morning, suddenly a burden came over my heart. And I started praying for that prison. Praying for the people there. I felt like there was cries in that prison. 
that uh, God was hearing and I felt like God was calling me to pray for them. Amen. I never been into prisons, never been into prisons ministry. Don't know what's inside these walls, but suddenly that burden started getting hold of my heart. And as I start praying for that, for that uh, prison, amen, I, I start developing a great burden to go there. And, uh, and it, was not, it was not something that I desired to do. But there's something I want to tell you this morning that as you get close to God and as you spend time in prayer, God starts laying burdens upon your heart. Amen. Things that God wants to do, that things God desires to see done. Amen. And, and so uh, after, after a couple of months, uh, I, I had some, I went to the prison. I, I researched how to, I can get in there and maybe do the work of a chaplain. And uh, when I researched and I met with some people, it was almost impossible for me to get in there. Their schedule was booked. There is not, no way to get into that prison and to do ministry. And I thought, well, this is it. I did what I'm supposed to do. I just continue to pray about it. And so I went on to continue to pray about it, feeling that that door was closed. And then, and then the burden would come heavy. And uh, it wasn't but about a couple of weeks later that some of my friends in Georgia, that they were at that time in the governor's office. And uh, I was having uh, lunch with them. And I spoke to them, spoke to them about what's happening through prayer and what was happening in my life and how, how I went there and I was wanting to go inside that prison to, to minister and they closed closed the door and the man told me well you know I am having meeting with the head of the department of correction this afternoon and I'll see what I can do. Amen. That afternoon the head of the department of correction in the state of Georgia called me and he said you pastor Azar I said yes he said I, I heard that you want to go into the prison and I already spoken to the warden there and you just this is his number you call him and he's going to help you get into that prison amen when I tell you what I did I got a van I bought a horse trough and aluminum put it inside of that van and I said when I go to that prison I'm gonna preach the gospel I'm gonna baptize people in Jesus name amen and so I went there and I remember when I first went in there I walked through many walls and many doors and, uh, and you can hear the doors closing behind you there's a there's a scary feeling about getting inside a place where you leave your freedom behind and you step into a place where uh, where, where it's everything is closed and everything is cold and everything is hard and uh, uh, no friendly faces were in these prisons amen and I I walked inside and they said well uh, they said pastor is before you start ministry in the prison we've got to give you some orientation we've got to we've got to tell you how things are done here and so I went into that room and I remember looking at that room there was pictures and while I was a man came and he was giving me orientation I looked at these pictures they were pictures of officers who used to work at that prison but somehow some way they broke the law and they did something wrong in the prison and now they are inside the prison and uh, and he started telling me about about the, what to do and what not to do and how to be careful and he told me one thing that I'll never forget he said these prisoners have a lot of time to think they have nothing else to do but to think amen they they don't have phones they don't have social media they don't have tv this is a maximum prison place and all what these people do day in and day out morning and night they think 
Amen. And so he told me how I have to be careful and how to, to, to not to be taken with those and so forth. And as I, as I start, I went there and I thank God that we were, the weather was permitting. I went, they, they set me up in the court and I went preaching, preached the gospel. The officers came and I, I, don't, I don't ever think that they, anybody was able to bring at that time a baptistry inside. But we brought that baptistry. The officers helped me fill it up with water and baptize. We lost the amount of people that got baptized and got filled in the, with the Holy Ghost through that, through that, through that time. But, uh, but as, I, as I kept going to that prison, there was a feeling that started getting hold of me. And slowly I started thinking, some, I met some of the men that they were serving life. That was it for them. No more going out into the public. No more going out from that place. They went into the prison. There is no way out. Everything changes about their life. And I start thinking, I said, you know, this is similar to what eternity is going to be. Eternity is going to be a place where you leave the common, you leave your life, and you leave the earthly life. When people die, they leave this earth, and they step into eternity. These doors are forever closed. You cannot go back. Amen. Death does not respect anybody. He will interrupt your schedule. He interrupt your plans. When he comes to someone's life, you have to go. Amen. And when he takes you, you leave everything behind. You leave your car. You leave your wallet. You leave your clothes. You leave your friends. You leave everything that you've been fighting for and everything you've everything you've been pursuing in life you leave it behind and you step into a place of eternity now I want to tell you the Lord Jesus spoke so much about eternity in the scripture amen as as you read and I, we, we sometimes when we think about eternity that we're thinking about heaven and I believe in heaven this morning I believe heaven is going to be a place where where it's going to be eternal amen we're going to live there with him that's why we're in church this morning that's why we've been baptized in Jesus name that's why we've been filled with the Holy Ghost that's why we live the way we live because we believe in life eternal amen and the Bible tells us that that heaven heaven is not just a place where where it's made of of beautiful things amen but but as you read throughout throughout the scripture the Bible tells us about heaven in the book of Revelation 21 and 10 he speaks about the new Jerusalem and he said he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city the holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God not that Jerusalem that everybody's fighting over in the Middle East but there is a new Jerusalem the Bible says that's going to come down from heaven amen in verse 11 he said having the glory of God and her light was like unto a stone most precious even like a jasper stone clear as crystal and the building of the wall of it was jasper and the city was pure gold like unto clear glass and the foundation of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones and I, as much as I can describe to you heaven this morning the Bible tells us no eye have seen no, nothing had come to a mind or have anybody has heard how beautiful heaven is going to be hallelujah but there is something different also about heaven that sometimes we forget about it amen that eternity in verse 23 the Bible says and the city had no need of sun neither of the moon to shine in it for the glory of God did lighten it and the lamp is light thereof and the gates it shall not be shut at all by day and there shall be no night there so they're not going to have a morning and an evening in heaven but time will cease and you're going to be in the presence of God in the glory of God forever and ever and ever and ever and ever 
Hallelujah. And that place, the Bible tells us, there's going to be joy. There's going to be peace. There's going to be happiness. Hallelujah. The Bible says in that day that God shall wipe away all their tears. And there's going to be no more pain and no more sorrow and no more, no more depression, no more oppression, no more, no more needs and no more difficulties and no more trials. You're not going to need, you're not going to need faith over there. You're not going to need, amen, the gifts of the Holy Ghost. But there's going to be joy everlasting. Hallelujah. Because we're going to know him. We're going to see him. We're going to be with him. The former things has passed away and everything comes new. Everything is going to be new. Hallelujah. But the Bible also tells us and Jesus had spoken to us about another place that's also called eternity. And that place in Revelation 14, 11, he said, And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night. It's not like they're going to be tormented and go back home or go back to sleep. But the truth is, the fact is, that eternal damnation, eternal hell is real. And it's going to be a place of judgment. And it's going to be a place where people are going to pay an account for the lifestyle that they lived here on earth. Something that was fascinating that as I met some of these prisoners in that prison, I cannot tell you how many of them, they live in regret the rest of their lives. And they say, I wish I can change things. I wish I can go back. I wish I was more more careful in my life and in my decisions. And can I tell you, I believe that this is how it's going to be in eternity. Amen. People who are lost, they're going to they're gonna live a life and they're going to have thoughts all their life, thoughts of regrets. I wish I did not do that. They're going to live a life of hopeless wishes. Hope that doesn't get you nowhere. They're going to know there is no way out because now you're locked behind these doors. And there is a gulf between you and heaven. And the sad part about it that people, they're not just going to be tormented because of a lake of a fire that the Bible speaks about. Uh, but they're going to be the torment of mind and the thoughts uh, that people are going to endure for eternity. Thinking about if I can change things. Uh, thinking about the time when I went to church and I felt God pulling on my heart. And I felt the preacher preaching to me and felt the wages and the wages of sin. And yet uh, I wish I made the decision to turn my heart to God. Uh, and I wish I repented from my sin. Uh, they're going to look back and I said, I wish uh, at that day I was baptized in Jesus' name. Uh, and I got my sins, got rid of my sins. Uh, I wish I surrendered to God. Uh, and I wish I pursued the Holy Ghost from all of my heart. Uh, and for the rest of their lives, I want to tell you, they're going to live in torments of thoughts. Thoughts of eternity. Thoughts in eternity that can, they're going to they're gonna live wishing that they have made a different decision. Wishing that I never left church. Wishing that I never walked on my pastor. Wishing that I did not get entangled with, this, with the things of the world. Wishing that I kept my eyes on the joy, on the cross, on Calvary, on heaven. There are going to be people living the rest of their life behind these dark walls in torment. Wishing and thinking about the decisions that they could have made different. Amen. The Bible tells us about so many people. That they have made the wrong decisions. And I, I, wonder, I wonder if we can speak to Cain today. I wonder if, I can, if, I wonder if you can hear the voices of people that they are in hell this morning. 
Now I'm sorry, I'm, I'm preaching as a missionary. I'm, I'm preaching, amen. But I, if, if you can imagine the voices and, and the people, if, if you can get Cain to come out of the death tonight, today and tells you the decisions he would have made different when he was alive. He would have never had a problem that God did not accept his sacrifice. He was glad, he would gladly, he would gladly go and do right. He would gladly offer that sacrifice that God wanted. He would have never allowed for jealousy and envy to get in hold of his heart. And he would have never taken action against his brother and killed his brother, assassinated his brother. He would have never done that. But it was too late. It was too late. And the sad thing about eternity that people are going to spend the rest of their life thinking how too late things are. The Bible tells us about, about two individuals that they have caused such a, a, a damage. Not, and you know what I learned about the enemy? The enemy doesn't come against you only. He comes against your family, against your children. Show me one person that, that went into rebellion. And I'll show you where the children are today. Hallelujah. Amen. The Bible tells us about two men named Dathan and Abiram in, in, in Psalm 106 and 12. The Bible, look, look at what God did for them. Amen. Then believed they his word and sang his praise. God did great things for them. But in verse 13, he said, they soon forget his works and they waited not for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. They completely forgot how God healed them and delivered them and saved them. Amen. How God moved for them, how, what God did for them. And I want to tell you, I, will, I, I don't, I don't want to ever forget how God brought me out of. I don't want to ever forget what God, I prayed and God answered my prayers. I don't want to ever forget the hand of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God that had kept me all these years. But somehow, some way, there are individuals, pastor, somehow, some way, they forget what God has done in their life and they soon, they move into the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Oh, hallelujah. And they feel like God owes them something. And people owes them something. The pastors owes them something. I don't want to tell you, God, no, God doesn't owe me anything. If God doesn't do anything anymore, anything. Doesn't answer one prayer. God doesn't owe me anything. Pastor doesn't owe me anything. The church doesn't owe me I feel privileged this morning to be able to walk into a one God, apostolic, truth-filled church and worship the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. But that attitude, we're living in a society that people feel like God owes me something. I showed up to church. Well, welcome to church. It is by the grace of God that God let you wake up this morning and get you up on your feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But if I were to ask Datham and Abiram, amen, what have you done? This is what the Bible says. They envied Moses also in the camp and Aaron, the saint of the Lord. And the earth opened and swallowed them up, Dathan, and covered the company in Abiram. And a fire was kindled in their company and the flame burned up the wicked. You can go and ask them today that said, I wish I never came against the pastor. Because it's never about the man, it's about the office. When you come against the office, you're coming against God. There's no more an issue between you and the man. It's the office. And God help us to respect the office. They found wrong with Moses. They found wrong with Aaron. And that kindled the wrath of God. If I can ask them today, ask them this morning... From that time till now, they're still thinking about the decisions that they would have made. 
what happened to their family and their children generations of generations of people amen if I can ask Saul this morning Saul God called you anointed you made you a king and if you ask Saul amen that a man a king committing suicide can you imagine I'll tell you, Saul said, I, I wish I always listened to Samuel. I wish I listened to the word of God. I wish I took the word of God dear to my heart and did not compromise and did not say this is good, this is not good. I wish I've done what the Bible says. Hallelujah. If you can ask this morning, Saul, about the decisions he made, he'll tell you, I wish I did not do that. Because people are going to spend eternity thinking. Thinking about the decisions that they could have made different. Hallelujah. You read about two men that they were on the thief with Jesus. Amen. Right there at the end of their lives. One man rebuked Jesus. One man mocked him. The other man said, you know, Lord, remember me when I come into your kingdom. I remember that first thief. Where, what, what was he thinking to, right now? I'll tell you, he, he, I, I believe that he would have said, I wish I was like the other thief. I wish I have repented. I wish I asked him to help me. I wish I could get help when, I, when help was available. Help is available while you're breathing, while you're moving, while you're living. Grace is available right now, right this moment, right this. Oh, hallelujah. 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 If I can ask Demas, who was with Paul seeing miracles and seeing revival and seeing God move I'll tell you what Demas would have told me he would have said I wish I took my eyes off the world and I wish I was not taken by the world I wish I never forsaken the ministry I wish I stood still Hallelujah, regret. If I can ask one of these unprofitable servants that Jesus had tells us about, he gave one five, he gave one two, and he gave one one. Amen. These five took what they have. God, you can use anything. You can use my hand. You can use my feet. You can use my testimony. I was in trouble and God delivered me and I have a testimony and I'm going to tell the world about it. Hallelujah. That servant that had one talent, look what the Bible tells us. Jesus said, and he said in verse Matthew 25 and 30, Cast ye the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I would ask him today, what things you would have done when you were different? You know what he would have told me? I would have traded. I would have done everything I can to get into heaven. That's when the Bible tells you, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. I want to tell you, I am not interested in a cheap salvation. Uh, uh, pastor, preacher, tell me what I need to do to be saved. Uh, I want to be saved. I don't want to spend eternity in regret. Uh, I'd rather be on the far right than to be in the middle or on the left. Lest I miss the mark. Hallelujah. I don't want to miss the mark. I'm not going to argue. If Jesus asks this much, I'm going to do this much. If Jesus asks me this much, I'm going to go that far. Why? Because it's about eternity. Hallelujah. The Bible tells us that unprofitable servant was thrown out. He said there are going to be those people that they're going to spend eternity thinking. And now he have missed out on what God wanted him to do. Because it's too late. It's too late. But let me tell you about the other servants the Bible tells us. I believe they went to eternity. But you know what Jesus told them about these, these profitable servants? 
Amen. He told them, come to the joy of your fathers. Can I tell you what happens in heaven? You're not going to have thoughts of the past. You're not going to live a regret of the past. You're going to say, man, I, I woke up two degrees in the morning and walked to church. Oh, no, no, no. You say, I was happy. Thank God I did it. Thank God I came to church and worship. Thank God that I came to church and praised. It doesn't matter what's happening. It doesn't matter what's taking place. I'm not going to worry about the decisions that I made on earth when I get into heaven. You're not going to have thoughts to think about them. I believe that's what heaven is going to be. You're going to be so overjoyed. You're not going to care what happened. The pain, the trials, the difficulties. You're not going to care. You're not going to have thoughts in eternity. You're going to be in such an awe. Happy all the time. Joyful all the time. Worshipping all the time. Excited all the time. Oh, Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Heaven is going to be a happy place. I said heaven is going to be a happy place. I want to go to heaven. I want to go to eternity. Don't you tell me. Don't, it doesn't matter how difficult your trial. It doesn't matter what you're going through. It doesn't matter if you have to go with one foot to heaven. Just get in heaven. It doesn't matter what it takes. Just get in heaven. Just get inside the doors. Because when time stops... Where are you going to find yourself? When time stops, where are you going to find yourself? I want to find myself in that city. I want to find myself with the Lord. I'm going to find myself living with Him for eternity. Oh, hallelujah. You know, we ask all these people, but I'll tell you, if I ask Abel this morning, the Bible tells us Abel by faith offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. He had no issue. God asked for it. He did it. He served God. And I'll tell you, Abel this morning has no regret. Hallelujah. If I ask you about Enoch, Hebrew 11.5, by faith Enoch was translated that you should not see death and was not found because God has translated him for before his translation. He had this testimony. He pleased God. And I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to live my life pleasing God. I'm going to live my life doing what's right in his eyes. It doesn't matter who's happy, who's not happy. I don't care. I'll tell you what I care about. I care about God being happy. I, care about, I don't care what the world says, how you dress and how you walk and how you talk. I'll tell you, they're going to live in regret. But when you and I step into heaven, it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter. We pleased him. Hallelujah. Amen. I believe Enoch is still enjoying, full of joy in the presence of God. If I can ask Noah, despite the pressure, despite the society, he said in 11.7, by faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen yet. You preach to some people, they don't care. They just go, they say, it's another Sunday morning. There are some people who said, you know what? I've been warned by the Holy Ghost. I've got to straighten up. I've got to refocus. I've got to do what's right. Oh, hallelujah. If you ask Noah today, man, despite every, everybody thought he's crazy. And let the world think what they are. People think we're crazy. And then we're not crazy. We're living life. We're living for that day. I tell you, it's safer being in the will of God than driving on some of your streets here. I'm, I'm telling you this morning. Oh, hallelujah. There is something about being in the will of God and doing what's right. Hallelujah. 
Amen. If I can ask all these people. Amen. If I can ask Moses this morning, you know, the Bible says he chose affliction with God's people then to enjoy the pleasure of sin for a season. I'll tell you, Moses is happy this morning. Moses is full of joy this morning. He looked back at all the trials and the wilderness and the hut and the betrayal and the talks and, and pharaohs and all of that. He said, you know what? It's worth it. Living for God, it's worth it. Going to heaven, it's worth it. Hallelujah. And the Bible goes on. If you stand with me this morning. The Bible tells us about, he said, Hebrew eleven thirty one, By faith, the harlot Rahab. Her whole life. Amen. I don't know what, what society want to call her and say. It doesn't matter. What matters is the decisions that you make today. The decisions that you make on this life that I'm going to live for God. And I'm going to turn my life around. And I believe in the blood that washes every sin away. Every sins away. Hallelujah. Amen. The Bible says that you know her name was written in the hall of faith. You know why? Because she made the right decision. And I can tell you to this morning that, that Rahab doesn't have any regrets. She doesn't have any regrets. You know why? Because she got into the presence of the king. And all her thoughts and all her tears and all her pain has been wiped away. What shall I tell you about all the men in the Bible? That they have failed, failed God, but yet they made the decisions to get up. They don't have regrets. Because God is interested in getting you into the gates more than you and I are interested in. Hallelujah. What shall I say more if I tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson? What a mess he made out of his life. But you know what? It was like that thief. He said, God, you give me one more chance. I'm going to live for you. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to do what's right. And can I tell you, Samson have no regret today. Because he got into the glory. And all that memory of the past is wiped away. If you lift your hand with me this morning. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost so strong today. There are going to be thoughts in, in eternity. And I pray, God, right now that you touch us and help us. Oh, help, help somebody in this place this morning. Make the right decision. I want to open these altars right now. It doesn't matter what anybody says. I want to tell you, when you come to this altar, you're going to find grace. You're going to find mercy. You're going to find redemption. You're going to find new beginning. You're going to find life. And God is going to write your name at the entrance of that door of heaven. Your name is going to be in the book of life. Oh, hallelujah. This morning, I'm going to make a decision. This 2024, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to, I'm going to trade. I'm going to tell people about Jesus. I'm going to be a witness because I'm racing time. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at 
MedoraChurch.com to learn more about our ministry.